Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the back catalogues of some of the most important and rockinest bands of all time. With me as always, it's my co-host, Sam Tonkin. G'day, mate. How are you? Pretty good, Sam. Thanks so much for joining us, as it is your job to do that. <laughs> so this is, this is really the first proper episode. Are you excited? Yes. Could you, hey, could you talk into the motherfucking microphone? <laughs> It's my first time. I'm so sorry. Hey, no, that's just one of the key things is for people to be able to hear you. Um, that is the point of a podcast. Yes. So we're starting <laughs> with Australian pub rock legends, Cold Chisel. Yes, my boys. And why so Why are they your boys? Why did you want to uh, start with them? Uh, oh, just sounds of your childhood, you know. I remember sitting on the back porch, dad's doing the lawns, and I'm sitting there with a lemonade, pre-18 years old, and I uh, just... Listening to the chiz. Listening to the chiz, getting your chiz on. <laughs> yeah. Chiz on. I think my memories are pretty similar. It's funny because um, even though you're a little bit younger than me, this band was formed like a decade before I was born mm-hmm. and they broke up pretty much as I was born. Yeah. Uh, and they broke up before you were born. Well before. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so it is, it's funny that they, I mean, there's probably listeners who are listening from outside of Australia who might not be as familiar with them. Um, but yeah, in Australia, they kind of, it's just, it's in the, it's in your DNA. If you yeah. grow up Australian, you'll, you'll love them. Well, you'll, you might not necessarily love them, but you'll definitely know them. You'll have an opinion on them regardless. Yeah. If you go to a, any sort of celebration, uh, there will be, uh, some of their classic songs playing there. At least two. Yeah. Surely. Um, but yeah, you, I think personally, um, my old man, uh, came home, at some point, I think he he bought the 1991 greatest hits they released called Chisel, which had just the cover was just like a close up photo of gold and the word Chisel on it, and that was that was an album that was just played over and over at our house. Yeah, it's so a good one. I, I really only know the you know the hits right until relatively recently. I was a, a kind of a just a big hits uh, fan of Chisel, but so that's been really fun to be uh, delving deeper into the back catalogue. Yeah, was, was it the same with you? No, nah, not so much. I was a bit more, um, we'd spent a lot of time listening to good old Triple M. Um, and, you know, Cold Chisel is probably one of the biggest featured bands, yeah. which is why I, probably a lot of people are sick of hearing them. Triple M being the uh, the, the rock sta- national rock station of Australia. For, for lack of a better word, you'd call it like the Strayan. Which Strayan. Is like that proper, for lack of a better word. Proper, proper Strayan. Strayan you was know, the like, best word. You true could. Blue, Bloody Ripper. Uh, Dinky Fair income. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Triple M. I looked up at one point because, you know, um, there's a, an, a classic Australian song called True Blue and it's a song about all about things that are real Australian. 
True blue, is it me and you? Is it mum and dad? Is it a cockatoo? <laughs> but I looked it up. Uh, the origin of the of the phrase true blue is English. Isn't that the most of our origins? Well, it's just like, I think it's so everything. funny that we're like, yeah, true blue Australian. <laughs> Even the term is not Australian. That sounds about right. But, um, and yeah, he re-recorded uh, that song because John Williamson, John yes. Williams, one of them does Star Wars, one of them does <laughs> Australiana. John Williamson. John, Johnny W. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, oh, mate, Johnny. J, J Dubs. J Dubs. <laughs> he re-recorded it because in the original version it mentioned Vegemite and then he found out that Vegemite was owned by Australians. So he re-recorded oh. it without Vegemite. Haven't they just been bought back by Australians? They have. So he's going to have to re-re-record it. Re-re-re-record it. Re-re-yeah. Anyway. Yep. Not, uh, he, I don't know if we'll ever do uh, J-Dubs in his oh. back catalogue. I imagine it's pretty vast. We can, uh, yeah, I, mm, we could probably just dissect that entire song and just He's discuss. got his hits like <laughs> True Blue, yeah, uh, and the list and, goes on. And followed up by um, re-recording of yeah. True Blue. <laughs> but he, did he also, I mean, I think he does have a lot of albums, but one of them I think is, um, doesn't he have another song or is it the same song, whereas... Give me a home among the gum trees with lots of him? plum trees. Is it not? Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Or is uh, it? That's not the same song, though, is it? No, 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 kangaroo. Clothes line out the, the back, back, veranda out the front, and an old, old rocking, rocking chair. chair. I got one with a bit Kath and Kim on my accent then. Uh, Australia. Australia. <laughs> but yeah, Cold Chisel. So we had the greatest hits, and I, I mean, it's just, it's, packed out with hit songs. So it was interesting to me as I went through the back catalogue to um, place where these songs came in it. Yeah. Like they're, they're probably their most iconic song and some call it like an unofficial Australian anthem, K-San mm-hmm. or K-San. K-San, I believe. Uh, is is on it's their, off their very first album, track two of the first album, which we'll, we'll be talking about next week. So we don't really need to jump ahead into the albums, I suppose, now. But it is it is interesting to have found that, you know, um, after the fact. They, they've also reformed now. Hey, here's some news. I just bought a ticket to see them live next year for the first time. Yes. I just got it in the pre-sale like an hour ago. Amazing. Oh, it's going to be a ripper. It's real synergy. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing them live and then we can bloody talk about that on mm-hmm. the show as well. Supported by another Australian legend, Paul Kelly. Yes, Paul Kelly. So that's going to be sick. Um, so so they're kind of a pub rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's... Imp- Maybe important in this first episode to talk a bit about them. Like, oh, I should also say, um, for those who don't know, which would be most people listening, uh, you're my cousin. So um, Chisel has sort of been um, growing up family events. Every single one would have Chisel. And for some reason, in the last 10 or so years, that has all sort of come together in one song, and that is Bow River. Live version, preferably. Yeah. Live version, yeah, the one off uh, Barking Spiders. Barking Spiders, There's a, a bunch of different versions of it, um, but that is the banger. Uh, and that is also where we got the name of the show. The first line of that song is Listen Now. Listen Now. Which I only recently found out because I used to think it was um, um, <laughs> Listen Out to the Women, <laughs> Listen Out to the Men, but it's not that at all. It's Classic Mossy. Listen Now. To the Wind Babe. Listen, listen Out to, to the, the Rain. rain. It's I got, I mean, got the listen part right. Um, 
That's I, like half of it. Other people, so I wonder if um, some American listeners or people from overseas, if they uh, they don't know, Jimmy Barnes is the front man of the band. Ian Moss is sort of a almost like the co-front man slash yeah, guitarist. He guitarist, sings a, a chunk a of the songs. Yeah, especially when um, Jimmy was having temporary hiatus. Yeah. He, hiatai he for plural. Front man. But Jimmy Barnes, for those who don't know him, maybe um, you would have known him from a couple of years ago. He became a bit of an internet meme um, when he he sang <laughs> uh, a little cameo part on a Kieran J. Callanan song. I don't, know, a, if, I don't know if sing... Is... All right, well, I'll, I'll play a little. Well, listen now. Yeah, listen hear, now. Hear this. <laughs> it just keeps going. It's pretty. It's pretty good, and the the film clip's so fun as well because it's it's like oh. Jimmy Barnes <laughs> with a big cowboy hat superimposed <laughs> over mountain ranges. It's like, it's the Australian version of Beyonce singing on top. You know, she just keeps going, baby, it's you. And it just yeah. keeps going. Jimmy Barnes is our Beyonce. <laughs> oh, I almost repeated the whole thing. Someone just cut his sections in together into, into one big part. This is real fun. Um, so apparently you were telling me, I didn't realise this, but it, it um, got taken the piss out of on, on some American oh, late was night talk shows. huge memory made out of it. Everyone's like, who is this random old bloke? Kind of like when Kanye and um, what's his name, Paul McCartney did a song and everyone's like, wow, Kanye, thanks for giving this old guy a shot. <laughs> surely a lot of that was ironic. I, and surely Jimmy Fallon know. was also being ironic. Obviously he knows Jimmy Barnes. He's always ironic. Barnsy. Barnsy. You know Barnsy? You know, who doesn't know Barnsy? Who doesn't know Barnsy? This is, if you sorry, if you don't know Barnsy, this is Barnsy. <laughs> It's just him saying, hey. Oh, Barnsie, yeah. Hey, oh, Barnsie, you're in. Barnsie, get him. Hey, <laughs> hey Barnsie, what's up? <laughs> just trying to do one second. <laughs> so good. Um, I love Barnsie. Oh, so good. And he's, icon. He is, he is an icon in every sense of the word. Like, he's now like a, an older statesman of Australian rock. Yep. And he talks, people listen. Um, He's had huge best-selling uh, books, bios in the last couple of years, split up into his childhood and Adulthood, and Basically, you've, you've read those. Yeah, it's pretty much the first one is um, a journey of, I think it's called, it's like subtitled A Journey of Running Out of Time. Oh, no, Journey of Running Away. And then it finishes right as he essentially jumps on the van to join the band. Wow, yeah. And great. then the start of the second one, which I think is A Journey of Running Out of Time, it's from the band onwards. And it is just an absolute hellfire ride, like from day dot right to the end of it. And I cried like... I don't know, 89 times during it. It was very emotional. That's pretty, that's a pretty weep heavy (laughs) read. Every 13th page, one tear approximately. You know, there's a lot of of blood, sweat and tears when Barnsley sort of, uh, his life story, I imagine. A lot of sweat makes sense. He famously sort of uh, played his shows drinking, swigging straight vodka. Straight vodka, yeah. And you watch the clips, you're like, Jesus Christ, like... In your younger days when you're, you know, partying, even a – no one does straight shots of vodka. It's mixed with cranberry, like yeah, a real adult. Come on. Sugarcoat that shit. Get some sugar <laughs> energy in there too. Yeah. Make yourself feel worse tomorrow. Let's party, yeah. Sugar high, sugar low. Oh, yeah, the magics of early 20s. I was going to say teenagehood, but no, I was much later than yeah, you, you're old enough to know better. <laughs> yeah. 12, I'll give you a pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're swigging vodka cranberry from the bottle, but you are 12. Yeah. So 
Just one, maybe two. Okay, but you're lucky. now that you're 16, <laughs> you should know better. Yeah, get onto the UDLs like a real adult. How, how old are you? Is that a personal question? You never ask a lady that. I am offended. Sorry. Yeah. I am 29. 29. Uh, yep. Past it. <laughs> yeah, now I like a nice Shiraz in the in the winter. <laughs> with cranberry. A, with a, <laughs> Just a garnish. Yeah. And a oh, Savvy yeah. bee in summer because we're all class. Do you, do you still hit up the pubs? I, I grew up going to pubs from childhood into my right into my 20s I, I still I love pub culture still yeah uh, and that's that's kind of where chisel were born out of the yeah. pub rock scene pub rock aptly named they they maybe even would you call them the are they the poster boys for pub rock that's if I think pub rock Aussie pub rock it least. is yeah well I because I kind of a I always pub assumed rock it was is a, just Australian but I, I was like reading that there is uh there was an English pub rock scene that was did not uh, last as long. That makes sense. Um, Pubs are but again, another thing blue. we've stolen from the English. <laughs> true blue, dinky die. Yep, that's right. Dinky I mean, die. even Jimmy Barnes was born in Scotland. Yeah, he still has stolen. a Scottish accent. And then Les, Les was Polish, isn't he? And someone else in the band was born in England. I think Steve like, Prestwich was from Liverpool. 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 Um, so, and that, that's another thing I love about this band. Is and I didn't realize this that, that much. Sort of Don Walker is famously the the main songwriter. He's lyricist. the keyboardist and lyricist. But um, majority of the members of the band and the the um, lineup did rotate a little bit over the mm. years. But they like I think maybe five of them wrote a hit song. Yeah, Isn't yeah. That wild? They really like shared it across the board. Like, yeah. how do you manage to get so many talented people in one group? Love that. I think that's so cool. But anyway, I, I um I found a few little articles talk a little bit about pub rock. Mm. Uh, this is the opening paragraph of, about uh, pub rock from Loud Mag. Any of these articles I quote from, we'll put in the description notes if people want to read more on it. But this is um uh from Loud Mag. Let me see if I got the author's name. Brian Giffen. And he writes, uh, in the mid-70s, a musical and social phenomenon took hold of Australian youth. It latched on in the pubs across the cities and moved into the suburbs and country towns, ebbing and flowing across two decades. Between late 1976 and until the early 90s, rock music informed almost every part of Australian musical culture. It dominated the sales charts, filled TV screens and radio airwaves, and the bands who made it filled the pubs across the land every night of the week. Pub rock was, in the words of veteran Australian rock writer Anthony O'Grady, a revolution in Australian popular music. It sounds like a real like proper way to say it was just like a real bloody good time. It was big, <laughs> yeah. It was, it, like you think of all like classic Aussie bands from basically the generation before our time, and it was, it it was, it was all, all a, yeah, yeah it was... pub. Pub, yeah, just sounds like it, it. The best way to describe it, I think, it just sounds like dirty, sweaty, small place, really loud, lots of beer, sticky floors. Like yes. that is just and I, I the love, best way to describe it, I guess. Totally, it is what it, it like. It is what it sounds like. Yeah. If you what's pub rock? If you go, well, what do you imagine if you hear pub rock? It's yeah. probably that. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I, I I do love music scenes that come out. They're like formed by their. Their surroundings, yeah, sort of almost by necessity. This is just what it had to be, yeah. Um, and that that is what this kind of style is. Um, I found this website Wikipedia online, Ooh. and is it's that... a, like a really good sort of information source. Is that a new new website? I I as far it's new to me. Amazing. So you know, I'm not saying I'm up to date with everything, 
But as far as I know, Wikipedia is a it's a brand new thing, and oh. and I think it maybe is going to about to sweep the nation. Maybe even I don't know if international might, listeners have it yet, but check might, it out. Might have called it early. Yeah. Do we um, get do we get royalties for? I wonder if Wikipedia might even can advertise. we copyright it? <laughs> yeah. Is that how copyright works? You oh. find something that someone else has made and go, we'll we'll have that. Um. Look, I that's would that's, not claim to be any sort of genius with laws, but I'm I'm from what I, you know, understand. Yeah. Are you culturally appropriating Wikipedia? I don't understand that phrase uh, quite obviously. Anyway, from <laughs> Wikipedia, uh, this is what it ta- it says about pub rock. It says pub rock or Australian pub rock is a style of Australian rock and roll popular throughout the 70s and 80s and still influencing contemporary Australian music in the 2000s decade. Ooh. Beautifully phrased. Mm. The term came from the venues where most of these bands originally played, inner city and suburban pubs. These often noisy, hot, small and crowded venues were not always ideal as music venues and favoured loud, simple songs based on drums and electric guitar riffs. That's a pretty good... Yeah, that's what I've been sort of reading about this. That's what it sounds like. Um, Basically, uh, pubs became... they, They started craving live music... And they, um, so all of a sudden all these bands had places to play. Yeah. And then, um, but the crowds didn't know them. They they weren't releasing music in the early days. So they created a sound that were, you know, it was anyone could dance to, anyone could um, have fun with. And that's kind of where the sound came from a little bit. Yeah. And I think kind of something that I've only recently kind of considered is that probably the majority of the people at the pubs is the blue collars and you would really relate pub rock to blue-collar work as a lot of the themes that run through yes. that kind of music. Like the lyrics end up sort of going that man. way. Well. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jimmy know. Barnes is um, he is, uh, one of his biggest uh, solo Jimmy Barnes is the songs. singer of yeah. Cold Chisel. Well, I yeah, don't know that's if we right. covered that. I couldn't remember. Um, <laughs> Barnsy. Barnsy, as he will... Yeah, Been I think he refers now. to himself as Barnsley. Barnsley. Hello, Barnsley's here. <laughs> I hope he so. said, "Yeah, I reckon he would. I reckon if um, if Barnsley was here, he'd say he'd say Barnsley was here. He'd also probably say, <laughs> oh, Barnsley. Hey, Barnsley. Get it. Hey, how's it going? That's his three-kilometer warning, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Barnsley's on his way. <laughs> he's, he's climbing up over that mountain ridge over there and then in the off, in, off yonder. Yeah, instead of the cooey, the traditional Australian call out is just yeah. a... Ah! <laughs> Echo. Yeah. Ah! Um, it's getting close. So, yeah, so the the sound came out of the venues. And also they the were sort of the sound systems weren't that great. So they had to, they couldn't write intricate um, simple songs. They had to, well, they were simple songs, mm. but they had to be big and bold yeah, as well. Yeah, essentially if you're going to play some like beautifully mechanical, technically perfect guitar solo, the speakers are probably blown up yeah. halfway anyway. So all they're going to hear is just like... Uh. So just, you know, three simple chords, four simple totally. chords, that's all you need. Drums, drums yep, and guitar. Drums. Um, so uh, w- uh, Wikipedia, which is the website I was talking about The new before, website, yeah. yeah. Uh, goes on to say, the Australian version of pub rock incorporates hard rock, blues rock, and or progressive rock. And all. In the Encyclopedia of Australian Rock and Pop from 1999, Australian musicologist Ian McFarlane described how in the early 1970s Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs as well as Blackfeather and Buffalo pioneered Australia's pub rock movement. 
So that I guess that's like proto pub rock almost. They're sort of they were the they're the godfathers of mm. pub rock in Australia. Pre-pub. Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs in particular is still he's his um legacy is still big. He's seen as yeah. um, one of the most important Australian. Blackfeather and Buffalo, I'm not as familiar with. No, no. As in I. I've never heard of them. Yeah, but, so, um, yep. <laughs> that, which makes me curious. I'd love to um uh have have a look into them. Um Continuing on the article, the emergence of the Australian version of the pub rock genre and the related pub circuit was the result of several interconnected factors from the 50s and uh, to the 70s, mainly because of restrictive, the restrictive state uh, liquor licensing laws. Only a small portion, proportion of live pop and rock and roll music in Australia was performed on licensed premises. Uh, Instead, Mostly it was in private di- clubs or discotheques. Yes, the majority of concerts were held in non-licensed venues like community church or municipal halls. It was a different time back uh, then. Can you just imagine Cold Chisel in their vodka swigging heyday at a <laughs> church hall? <Yeah. laughs> uh, after the show, we're selling cupcakes. Yeah, fund our next act, please. Yeah, and also our next <laughs> vodka. Um, yeah, he's swilling instead uh, Earl Grey tea. From a bottle. Just some holy water. Yeah. Uh, during the 60s, however, Australian states began liberalising their licensing laws. Sunday observance acts were repealed. So they it used to be like you, church ruled. So, I mean, well. <laughs> church rules, man. But um, <laughs> Yay, church. Um, you couldn't, every, like Australia shut down on Sundays apparently. Yeah. Because it was a it lot was of country towns to, are still like that, sans church. It's the day to observe. Jesus. Jesus. It's the holy day. It's the Sabbath. Um, but they started repealing those in the 60s. Pub uh, opening hours were extended. I wonder if this was around the time of the um, the 6 o'clock swill, which is like a little period in Australia, of Australian time where pubs closed at just after 6 or at 6. So all the businessmen or all the, all the working men would flock into the pubs. Women weren't allowed in. Mm-hmm. And they just chugged down a bunch of beers in a row. And then get kicked out onto so the streets and essentially New South Wales now. Yeah, just <laughs> what? Yeah, I think they might have even. I think they've looked they've at repealing tighter. those. They oh, have. Yeah, I've, think, yeah, I think they're opening them back, opening Sydney back up for yeah. business. So essentially, what you're saying is that they had happy hour without the happiness. They yeah. just had hour. It was, yeah, it was the hour of power. <laughs> yeah, and like everyone's stressing out, like, quick, we better scull these Chug. beers. You know, it's for the safety of everyone. Yeah. Make everyone drink real fast. And then put at them the back out time, on the street. Put them out on the also street. at the same time. <laughs> when they can figure yeah. out the differences. Yeah. Like gentlemen. Yeah. Um. So so they were starting to repeal a lot of these old laws. Um. And then also in the 70s, they dropped the legal age from 21 to 18. Oh. And concurrently uh, at this time, members of the baby boomer generation... Who back then were like, you know, it's the funny hip, to think they the were the kids. Young kids. Yeah. That's how time works, Matt. <laughs> I'm like, wait, baby boomers were young ones? <laughs> baby boomers are 60 plus only. <laughs> yeah, ever. I'm confused. <laughs> uh, so they were they were the, the main audience for pop and rock music and they were hitting their uh, late teens, early 20s and um, also now able to hit the pubs. Get bevved. So uh, pub owners soon realised that providing live music uh, which was often free, would draw young people to the pubs in large numbers and regular rock performances soon became a fixture at many pubs. 
Um, many city and suburban pubs gained renown for their support of live music. And many prominent Australian bands, including ACDC, mm-hmm. who most will know, Cold Chisel, The Angels and The Dingoes, um, developed their style at these venues in the early days of their careers. Um, Ian McFarlane, the musicologist, described how ACDC took the raw energy of Aussie pub rock um, and extended its basic guidelines, serving it up to a teeny bop countdown audience and also still reap the benefits of the live circuit by packing out the pubs. So that's an interesting idea that uh, ACDC had that the catchy teeny bop um, yeah. element in there, which I never really considered. Teeny did, bop did you know much about Cold Chisel's weird relationship with Countdown? So Countdown was um, like a – it's still seen as kind of a legendary music yeah, TV show. by Molly Meldrum. Yeah, on the national, you know, gov- not national Maybe. broadcaster ABC. Whatever, yeah. And it was, I think it was on Sunday nights. I think so. And they'd count down the the big songs for the week, count and they'd also down. have, so, like live and in inverted commas yeah. performances. They were all mimed, and Chisel were never really asked on. And then mid career, they were having a lot of success. They were the biggest band in Australia, and they were invited on. And they're like, "We don't want to come and we're a live pub rock band. Yeah. We don't want to come and mime to our songs. It would be ridiculous." Oh, I have heard this. Yes. And then they ended up coming on. Uh, for the Countdown Awards ceremony where they won a lot of the awards and they, um, in classic, macho-ish sort of a rock and roll style, they trashed, they played their song, added extra lyrics into the song, which was sort of um, poking fun of Countdown mm-hmm. and then um, smashed up uh, the amps and yep. drum kit and everything. For... It was a bit of a stick it up here. For... Yeah, I guess yep. so. Which is like... I think uh, younger me would have been like, "Yeah, cop that, dickheads." Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, "Oh, you, so you, you're upset because they didn't put you on the show when you weren't a big band, and then they had you on." That's just how that show worked. It was about the big bands, but it was also about breaking bands. So I don't know. It would be like, "Hey, you, now that we're popular, you, you think you're going to break us? We've been broken. We didn't need yeah. you." So we're I can sort of, it anyway. I guess I can see both sides of that. Me as a uni student, I'm like, oh, that gear would have been so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, wait. So much money wasted. Does that, do we have to pay for all that? Yeah. <laughs> um. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, and then um, so he, he also, McFarlane, says that um, he found that Cold Chisel fused a combination of rockabilly, hard rock, and rough house soul and blues that was defiantly Australian in outlook. Rough house is very apt, I think. Other... Uh, important bands that came out of the pub rock scene, um, maybe some of these are arguable, but uh, include In Excess, Midnight Oil and Rose Tattoo. Mm-hmm. They're all very different bands from each other. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else we'd put in there. we got uh, like Hoodoo Gurus. Yeah, Midnight Oil is always. Australian Crawl. The yep. vinyls usually get mentioned. Baby Animals usually get a call in. 
Screaming Jets, Noise Works. Uh, Skyhooks was more 70s, so Skyhooks was a bit earlier, though, I think. That sort can... of kicked off. I think according to this article, I reckon it really kicked off in 76. So. Oh, okay, so that's pretty timely for them. Um, Choir Boys, who... Had one Run to Paradise. One song that but they I can remember. Also, it was a banger though. The um, yeah. Where where would these bands have played before that? That's what I was thinking the same thing. Like what, the church like, halls. Was and it stuff? just the church halls? I don't halls think Skyhooks and... were ever gonna. It must have been to do with the pub scene. All I think right. that it's almost like that. If you were an Aussie band in that time, you probably came out of that scene. Yeah, yeah I'm just trying to think. So I remember someone saying they saw. Someone of the baby boomer generation um, saying that they saw, I reckon it was like ACDC at like Moorabbin Town Hall or something back in the day. My old man saw them tiny. in the Bon Scott era at um, Monash Union the, in just in the common area. Wow. That would have been, oh, you can't even imagine there. that. Yeah, like... I, I, went, I went to Monash and I think the biggest, I'm trying to think who the biggest band we would have had. I feel like it might have been 28 days or something like that. You know, it's, it's <laughs> Does that fun. rip it up? Rip it up, yeah. yeah so it <laughs> uh, doesn't we, feel – I love 28 Days, but it does uh, doesn't had, feel like um, a fair trade. We had the Androids oh, come and sing Do, do It, it like with Madonna. Madonna. Do It With Madonna. At my all-girls Catholic high school. <laughs> right. Madonna being Mems. the mother of Jesus. Yeah. Well, we're Catholic school, so. You're right. That makes sense. So I, mean, I think so, the nuns would have been like, oh, do it. Yeah, yeah pray with – Do It With Madonna. Pray, pray with Mother Mary. <laughs> Uh, we actually did have a nun as our principal at the time too. That's great. Mm. That's so good. Um, I found a, <laughs> I found a cool. We should, probably should turn our attention a bit more to Chisel in particular. Oh yep. Being that they're being the uh, the, uh, the topic, topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a cool uh, little bio article on uh, the ABC's website, abc.net.au. And uh, via their Rage. Are you a Rage fan? So Rage is a, a, a bit of an Australian music icon as well, institution. institution. Friday and Saturday nights overnight they just play music clips. On the Saturday night they'll have guests, no, um, hosts. I never watched it. And I remember being like, you know, 10, 11, 12 or whatever and watching, I'm embarrassed to say, video hits on a Saturday morning before swimming lessons <laughs> and you'd have to wait for Rage to finish and I'd be like, what's this alternative stuff? Oh, right. Except at the oh. time I did not know what alternative was. So I'm like, this is not a good song. <laughs> yeah. Put some Hanson on. Get me some mbop <laughs> for my day. <laughs> That's great. I I used to get home after going out. I mean, probably still do occasionally and flick it on ABC and, and, um, and watch for a while. There used to be a... A trap I'd get in if after a biggish night. I get home in the middle of the night. I'd be like, "All right, uh, next bad song, I go <laughs> yeah. to sleep." <laughs> or the vice versa. Next, all right, one. I just want to see one slot, one banger. Yep. Then I'm going to sleep. Yeah. And then you just end up watching for hours and hours. Yep. This is going. Is this going to make me sound old? I used to get home and watch Rage on my black and white TV. Yeah. <laughs> It's sometimes I'm like, yeah, we're we're like similar, the same age. And then I'm like, oh no, you're. Um, Isn't that, that is, that is pretty wild because. um, How old are you? What's the age difference? I'm 35. Well, I'm 35. I do another podcast called Do Go On and and my co-hosts are 29 on that as well. So I'm very familiar with this uh, old man sort of dynamic. Yeah, that's six years. But the. Significant, (laughs) apparently. The black and white. I don't know why. I I think it was my old man. It would have been old when my dad had it. But it, he just, 
it was like uh, our second TV. I ended up having it in my bedroom. Was it one of those giant box ones that weighed it three was. tons? It was tiny. <laughs> I remember when I'm like, I'll keep this forever. It's a, I, there was something kind of romantic about it somehow. But I remember um, my dad eventually was like, you got to let it go, mate. I'm like, I don't want to. It's cool. <laughs> He's like, you just got to let it go. And he took it to the bin. Oh. And he and I remember it, the bin was kind of full and he just dropped it at the top and it just mushed all the rubbish <laughs> down in the big green bin. The green bin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What, you know, the rubbish bin. What, oh, yeah, the normal. They're, they're olive, green. olive-y. In Marabin, they were green. They're still green. I don't know no, what they were like the on the green. other side of... Of Santa Road, where you grew up. In East Bentley. We yeah. were the Pover version. You were in Bentley. I was East Bentley. Really? Yeah, East Bentley was Pov town, apparently. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. There's times I go back now, Dad still lives there, and I'm like, no, East Bentley's come a real long I, way. I could save for two lifetimes and not buy a house there now. Yep. It's it's. It's, it's brutal. very expensive. It's brutal. Hey, yeah. baby boomers. Yeah. These kids, these baby boomer kids who are starting to go to pubs. <laughs> yeah. And also buying apparently houses buying for houses. 10K. <laughs> yeah. Christ. Anyway, so I found this article <laughs> on the ABC slash Rage website, and I think it was really good. It, it um, taught me a fair bit about it that I didn't know. So I'll, I'll read it out bit by bit. Let's go through this. Um, so Cold Chisel's origins stem back to Adelaide in 1973. So I didn't – I don't – I kind of always think of them as a Sydney band, but I, I did ha- have a vague knowledge that they had an Adelaide origin, and that is where they they all met. I didn't know this though. They were originally named Orange. That I well, I read Jimmy Barnes's autobiography. So these are facts that I learned in the last eighteen months. You're gonna have them all <laughs> in your head already. Um, so the band started out as a heavy metal cover band, mm-hmm. consisting of bassist Les Kachmerick, uh, keyboardist Don Walker, guitarist Ian Moss, and drummer Steve Prestwich. Uh, it was not around. Uh, not until around the end of 1973 that the 17-year-old Jimmy Barnes joined the group as vocalist. 17. Also, if we have any Polish listeners that want to correct us on how to pronounce Les's surname, that would be wonderful be and great. greatly appreciated. Uh, also, um, if you're not familiar with Jimmy Barnes's vocal style, it goes a little something like this. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The more I listen to it, the more I like it. I love it's a banger. <laughs> we probably should play some actual cool chisel at some point so yeah, people yeah. Uh, know what they sound like. Maybe, um, yes, yeah, I'll I'll find a I'll find that um, the Bow River that we love oh, yes. um, to play a little bit in a in a minute um, from the bloody barking spiders. Um, but let me go on with this bio. So Jimmy Barnes joins it. He joins as a 17 year old. I didn't know that. Um, the group changed its name several times before settling on Cold Chisel. Do you remember any of the other names? I don't list any here. No, no, Orange is the most head. memorable of them. Orange. Um, they settled on Cold Chisel, which was the name of one of their songs. Uh, during this time, Barnes had a volatile relationship with the rest of the band and he left the group several times, most notably to replace Bon Scott in the group Fraternity in 1975. So Bon Scott yeah. left Fraternity to um, join... ACDC. A little and, little known band. I'm the, not sure if people have heard of it. Apparently them. there was a rumour, um, and it probably still floats around, that Jimmy Barnes um, almost fronted ACDC, but I've heard Jimmy Barnes in an interview debunk that. But, yeah, that, that's probably what has been confused there. Oh, yeah, Sam showing me some great – so that's 
That's Jimmy Butt. They used to wear face makeup, right? Just for a very brief period. They were, was it the they were 70s? a metal band. Yeah, is that was Kiss wearing? Kiss must have been yeah seventies as well. So I wonder if that was inspired because they they were trying to by the looks of it they were trying to dress a little bit glam rock and then they were kind of like nah this is bullshit. Um, and then went proper Australia. So when Barnes would leave the group, Mossy took over on vocal duties. And Mossy, on the other hand, has, well, maybe that's that's a good opportunity to play some of this Bow River. So Mossy probably, I feel like sings maybe about a quarter or a third of Chisel yeah, songs. Yeah, I reckon that's fair. Um, and this is, let's play a little bit of the start of Bow River. Um, it's a lot smoother. The, our favourite version of it. It's from the... 1973, 1983, Barking Spiders oh, Live. I thought it was 77. God, my memory is. But he's just like very different. So Barnsley's sort of, I've heard him described as like honey and gravel. Yeah. He does have sort of two yes. tones there. But Mossy's just all honey. Just honey. And that's also his guitar sound as well. Um, once he gets into it there, I'll keep telling you about it. Uh, the group. Consolidated their lineup in 1975 with uh, Cash Marek leaving the group and being replaced by Phil Small. Barnes's older brother John Swan was also a member of the group John at this time, Swan. doing a bit of backup vocals and percussion. Mm-hmm. Here we go, he's, he's mossy. It's just beautiful. And listen, now to the rain. listen now. <laughs> you know I feel that water at my feet again. Bit of Barnsley in the background there. With harmonies. I go. I always hear that every time. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, for ruining it. Oh, he can't. It. He can't not sing along to it. Yeah. It's just so good. But on the on the album version, he doesn't he doesn't take his time like he does here. It makes it so much better. And you can hear the crowd getting wrong footed by it. Yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, just joking. Here they. And that, that little echo sound on the guitar, fuck, it's so good. Anyway. Um, so, so yeah, Barnes's older brother, John Swan. So Swan was Barnes's birth name. I think it, it was his is, dad's name. It was his birth father's name. Um, and his parents had a very volatile relationship. Uh, and his mum, I think she only remarried once, but she was with a few other people throughout his childhood. Yeah. Um, but this one bloke, Reg Barnes, was like essentially the angel sent from heaven and he quite, talks quite a lot about it in his book in Working Class Boy, I think it is, the first half. Yeah. Um, and he kind of talks about how this guy basically was sent from heaven. He kind of got his mum straightened out a bit and he was just like the right person at the right time. Right. Like, you know, Jimmy is a young bloke, was it starting to go a bit wild and Reg was just trying to like guide him into the right path and he credits a lot of his good qualities to Reg wow. and decided to change his name to oh, that's Barnes nice. in memory of. That's great. So his, his older brother, obviously, John Swan, already locked in on that name. I think he sort of he performs under the name Swanee, I think. Swanee, yeah, they're known as Swanee. Uh, but, but also, his... if you've got a rhyming name like that, surely you're not going to change it. John Swan. Yeah, that's, Swan. that sounds like a made-up name. But yeah. he, so he was only in the band briefly um, because uh, there were several violent incidents and he was kicked out of the group. The violent incidents is something that runs through the uh, Swan family name. I think their dad was a boxer right. back in the day and it was that rings a bell. all of them are uh, fighters 
We Worth talk with our fists. Yeah, <laughs> Scotland. Uh, the band members have diverse backgrounds, with only Phil Small actually born in Adelaide. So they all, they mm. all met in Adelaide, but Barnes was born in Scotland, Prestwich in Liverpool, UK, Moss in the Northern Territory. Alice, yeah. And let's uh, te- uh, say Tex Walker. <laughs> Don, Don Walker. Don Walker. Originally from Queensland. Oh, I thought he was born in, like, rural New South Wales. He might, he might have moved around a bit, but apparently yeah. um, originally from Queensland. There you go. Don't don't uh, doubt, make me doubt myself. I don't know. I'll double check. Is this from Wikipedia? I, I uh, feel no, like it's from, super reliable. This is from the ABC. <laughs> oh, surely. Yeah. If anyone's going to know, it would be our ABC. Our ABC. Um, just confirming on Wikipedia what it says he was born in Queensland as well. So oh, that's good I'll enough take, for me. I take that back. If the big two, ABC <laughs> and Wikipedia both say. You can't doubt that. No. Um, in May of 1976, Cold Chisel relocated to Melbourne but found little success and moved to Sydney in November. So, yeah, that's interesting. They could have been a Melbourne band. I mm. imagine that would have been a very, ended up being a very different band if they came Yeah. In. Just because, you know, so many of their lyrics of their big songs are um, it's painting Sydney pictures, yeah. talking about Sydney pubs and um, different events from Sydney. Yeah, it'd be interesting to look at what the um, pub culture was like between the two cities back yeah. in that day. I imagine similar, but just these slight differences make yeah. it. Because uh, also it's interesting, it's like they struggled in Melbourne and then went up to New South Wales and had a lot of success. Although I have been listening to a bunch of um, interviews with Jimmy Barnes recently, and he talked about how they didn't get a lot of love in Sydney. It was actually um, touring up and down the East Coast uh, in the regional areas like New- Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah, gets mentioned a lot and actually. And more of the uh, working class town. So Newcastle's a big steel work city. And they, one of their big early live songs uh, is called Shipping, Shipping Steel. Steel. And that, surely that is a, a direct Yeah, I've never there. never thought about that, but I will look into it for when that album comes up. Which is, yeah, will be the next ep. Uh, during this time, the <laughs> band still mostly performed covers for gigs, but in the background, Walker was developing his talents as a songwriter and creating original songs. So he's... He's like if you think of Cold Chisel songwriting, you think of Don Walker. Mm-hmm. Even though they all chipped in with their own songs as well, but he on any given album he Majority. would have written the bulk of them. I think well, on the first album, maybe even all of them. All and then Jimmy Barnes co-wrote the first song Juliet, but everything else was right, Don Walker. Which is a banger. Yes. Anyway, we'll talk about the next episode. Yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. Getting excited. <laughs> um, so he, uh, his material was all based around the concerns of the hardworking student underclass. And I think I've heard him mention that it was just, you know, they they were writing for the audiences they were performing mm. to as well as the – he'd write a lot of his songs um, about people he'd met, you know. He, yeah, because I think Don Like Walker, K-Sounds about a couple of Vietnam war vets, vets. He, he knew. Yeah, so he came back suffering PTSD prior to PTSD being a yes. acknowledged. And I heard him say in an interview, he goes, um, if he knew that it was going to become, a, you know, an Australian anthem, he probably would have written it a bit differently. I don't, I'm not oh. sure exactly what he means by that. Maybe no. like um, if maybe it was, maybe feel like he opened, um, he t- told too much of a story of these guys or yeah, I'm wonder. not sure. I'm not sure how he, how he meant that. Um, the songs hit a nerve and the band quickly developed a solid and loyal fan base. Six months later, in May 1977, Barnes announced he was quitting Cold Chisel 
in order to join his brother Swan in the band Feather. Oh, and that, that's interesting because I believe uh, when I was reading about um, the band Feather, you know how just before I mentioned Black Feather? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, they morphed into Feather. Oh. Just with, but they changed their name because they had no original members anymore. I don't know if that was like a, a thing back then. It was like the small faces in England became the, the faces. I think it's like a um, bands would uh, just tweak their name due to yeah, kind of keep the um, keep the somewhat of a fan base and just be like, oh, we've just we're a bit different now. Now yeah. we got Rod Stewart yeah. or whatever that thing <laughs> yeah. was. Um, so yeah, so that that's interesting that um, one of the key bands at the birth of pub rock. Uh, his brother Swan ended up being a member of, mm. and then and also Jimmy Barnes was too, and I think if that was the band I was, oh, I think if that's the band that I heard him talk about, he mentioned that they were they were doing great. One of the bands he left Chisel for for a bit yeah, apparently were doing real great for six months, building up a huge audience, um, and getting some good reviews. And I heard Jimmy Barnes say something like they one reviewer called him um, like. Deep Purple on Methadone or something like that. And he goes, we like we like that. We kept that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then he said they took a break for a couple of weeks that ended up just being uh, an ongoing break. And then he goes, oh, shit, Cold Chisel are yeah. doing real well. He went down and he saw them play with Mossy fronting them. And apparently goes to him after the gig. He's like, hey. Hey, guys. <laughs> Any chance I can uh, get back in? And he goes, they, they sort of ummed an R for a bit. And I think it was just to get at me. <laughs> But they yeah, eventually that said sounds, yes. Yeah. And he said from then on, they really buckled down and, and took it very seriously. Um, this ABC article goes to say, a farewell performance took place in Sydney that went so well, the singer changed his mind and follow, <laughs> the following month, Cold Chisel was signed to the Warner Music Group. Uh, and from that came their self-titled debut album, which we will debut. get onto in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um it's an interesting story because they, I mean, just a bit of a spoiler alert, but they end up breaking up. Um, uh, How many times? <laughs> like, yeah, for, for good, they broke up really after what, five studio albums, was it? Yeah, something like that. And then um, quite a long hiatus and then they've had, they'll reform and release an album every now and then. They've done three since then. But they, just an explosive little time and it's a real arc. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going through this story on this podcast. Mm. Because so they sort of they climb up and then things happen and it and obviously it all falls apart in the end. Yeah. But it's, it, I found it to be a very interesting story and I'm I'm looking forward to going through it, talking about it a bit as we go. Um, yeah, is there anything else we we want to cover off in this first episode? I guess um, for uh, for listeners, if if uh, you we'd love to hear from you if you've uh, big Chisel fans. Yep. Or if you're if you don't know anything about them and maybe uh, being inspired to give them a listen now, um, maybe that's a fun way to do it. It's like a book club. It's an album club. Just um, give the self-titled album a listen over the next week and a bit before we can all talk about it together. But uh, if you want to get in contact with us, we've got an email address, which is listennowpod at gmail.com. And um, we'll be Listen Now Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well if you want to get in contact. Any sort of thoughts? I'd love to hear from people who maybe aren't from Australia and are just hearing them for the first time what they think about them. And, uh, but also I'd love to hear from longtime fans 
um, what they reckon as well. I'd like to hear from people who aren't from Australia who have heard of them as well. Oh, yeah, because they did they, they did tour Europe they and tried. America. They tried real hard to crack Europe and, they, and they had, you know, Americas. S- small successes in those places, but also just um, things. Just different worlds. Different worlds. and um, Slash Jimmy Barnes. Yeah. Volatile. Yeah, a bit volatile <laughs> possibly hurt him a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Anything else you want to say, Sam, before we piss off? Uh, just give a listen to Bo River live version, Barking Spiders. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Let uh, us know how it makes you feel. Yeah, deep down. Um, maybe <laughs> listen to the album version as well and see, oh, yeah. Yeah, see what you reckon. But I th- we might even do a full episode on the Barking Spiders live album at some point because yeah. they have a few iconic live albums. Um which we might we might feature as well. Double but, yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Um, maybe if you've got ideas for bands that we could look at in the future as well. I think maybe as we're coming towards the end of this um, season, we might um, we might put up a few other options and see and let, let the bloody listeners have their say. <laughs> um, yeah. I've been hogging this bloody mic, Sam. You're the experienced you talk one. For That's a all bit. good. Hello. Today is... <laughs> Do you want to um, shout out your social media if they want to follow you anywhere? Uh, no, because it's not very interesting and it's mostly my cat. <laughs> okay. Well, any cat fans? Um... Samatonk, if you want to see my cat. Yeah, great. I know there are cat heads out there. So that... <laughs> What about you, Matt? Any shout outs? Yeah, well, um, got uh, my other podcast, Do Go On, which you can check out uh, on the uh, podcast networks. And um, also my social media is at Matt Stewart Comedy um, on Instagram and Facebook and also Matt Stew underscore art on Twitter because that's where I do my real art mm. stuff. Twitter is a place of art. Yeah, that's right. Uh, any last words from you, Jimmy? Yep. That's him leaving. See you, bud. <laughs> oh, well, this might be our first post on social media or be this video. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. Make sure you watch it with the volume at max. Totally. <laughs> All right, well, we don't have a sign-off or anything. What do we oh, yeah. What do we say? It's got to be some sort of Listen Now-related thing, or we just say, hey. Surely it's just, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thanks so much for joining uh, us here on Listen Now. We'll see you next time. Bye. Later. podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.